You're listening to Caring Connections with Nicole Bruno, supported by HomeWatch Caregivers, whose mission is to preserve dignity, protect independence, and provide peace of mind for their clients and loved ones by providing exceptional home care. 97.9 FM WCHL is pleased to present Caring Connections with Nicole Bruno. Nicole has over 15 years of experience as a geriatric social worker and administrator working in the long-term care industry to include skilled nursing care, Alzheimer's care, adult day care, and home care. She also worked as a family caregiver. In addition, Nicole co-founded a nonprofit in the Triangle that specializes in support for caregivers. Now, Caring Connections with Nicole Bruno. Welcome to this episode of Caring Connections. This is Nicole Bruno, your host. Joining me today is Terry Klein, Development Director for the National NPS Society. Welcome, Terry. Thanks, Nicole. I'm excited about having you here today. We're going to be talking a lot about person-centered care. and um, But I, you did bring some top 10 things that people probably don't know about individuals who are faced with rare diseases and probably should. So I thought I'd just highlight a few of those. Uh, the first is that the United States is not leading the world in research of rare diseases. That's right. Hmm. <laughs> I have a sense there's a long answer to that question. There is. <laughs> Families that suffer from rare diseases rely on charities and advocacy organizations for support to have their voices heard. That's correct. And lastly, citizens can advocate for their loved ones on Capitol Hill. Very important. Very important thing to do. Okay. So let's start off. Since in your title, you are the development director of the National MPS Society, what is MPS? MPS stands for mucopolysaccharidosis. The National MPS Society supports both the mucopolysaccharidosis and the mucolipidosis. And these are rare diseases that affect the lysosome. Um, Children with these diseases don't have an enzyme or are missing an enzyme in the lysosome. And the lysosome is responsible for removing the waste from the body. And if they're not able to remove the waste, then the storage builds up on all organs of the body. Unfortunately, these diseases are progressive. Mm-hmm. We do have some treatments, but we have no cures. Wow. So that sounds like it's very serious. Is it a terminal disease? Or? It is. It is. It always. is. Okay. Okay. So what do you do as a development director? Well, my job at the National MPS Society is that we have one office that serves the country, and it happens to be located right here in the Raleigh-Durham area. We are responsible for raising money for research and for family support programs. So my job as the development director is to help keep the organization sustained and be able to fund these areas that our mission supports. So a national, we, on a national level, you're responsible. On a national level. It's a big job. It's a big job. <laughs> so we, we write grants. We host fundraising events. Mm-hmm. About 75% of our budget goes to our mission, which is research and family support programs. That's great. How do you find out about a diagnosis of your child? The rare disease area is difficult in that children that have rare diseases probably encompass about 50% of the rare disease population. 50% of the rare disease population are pediatric-based. It is a lot. And within that base, half of those the children don't live past the age of five. Mm. Getting a diagnosis sometimes for a physician is a once in a career or a lifetime for mm. mucopolysaccharidosis. Mm. For a doctor to know what it is right. is really not 
going to be common. So there's a plethora of tests that they have to go through in order to get diagnosed. And it's pretty much ruling out everything else in the world first. It really is. And what marks for families um, something that is wrong with their child is that they begin to decline. They begin to regress. Mm -hmm. Milestones that they have reached, they're now no longer having those milestones. Mm -hmm. And that's the trigger. So the people start to wonder, is perhaps autism or something? That's right. And so many of our children are misdiagnosed. Mm, Wow. So what are the challenges you face for someone with a rare disease? Medical challenges, outside caregivers, those types of things. We have a number of things that we can address with this. The medical profession ends up being a big part of a family that has rare diseases. Mm -hmm. The doctors that the families work with will end up being between maybe eight or even 10 specialty doctors that are helping to oversee the care of a child. Mm -hmm. So you have this whole array of medical field that you are thrown into once your child's been diagnosed with this type of progressive disease. Mm -hmm. There are many things that will become obstacles that you're unaware of, um, whether it's with the heart, whether it's Mm -hmm. with uh, cognitive delays, neurological impairments. So you're ending up having an array of doctors and physicians that are helping to care for your child. And probably therapies, too. And therapies, too. Um, A lot of these diseases have uh, bone issues involved, and so there's a number of um, um, orthopedic doctors and surgeries that take place with these children as well. And as far as school goes? And yeah, the home. schools are challenging, too. A number of our families are very brave, and the children are wonderful. There are many families that are mainstream public school. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a challenge to develop an IEP that will champion the child, that will be able to embrace the child for what he knows today and what he will not know tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It isn't about how do we improve the child. It's about helping the child with their family be able to sustain their cognitive functions for as long as possible. And so within the school itself, we have good stories, and unfortunately, we have bad stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. How about financial and emotional struggles? You know, as a caregiver— We tend to think of families that are in a caregiving role with maybe a parent, um, not necessarily in the role of a child for many years. Mm -hmm. Knowing that your child has been diagnosed with something that could uh, shorten their lifespan also could be a situation where a child's mildly affected and you're going to be in this caregiver role for the next 25, 30, or 40 years, a place where you've never expected to be. Mm -hmm. Not only is it financially crippling, but it's emotionally crippling as well, Mm -hmm. with insurance companies having a number of... um, um, a number of things that they used to be able to access with their insurance companies being pulled away from them and being denied. The National MPS Society's Family Support Program has continued to evolve and grow where insurance is denied for the families for the needs of medical durable goods or for hearing aids or mm-hmm. for modifications for automobiles. Our mission at the National MPS Society is to help these families in this area. It's a struggle. Mm. So are you currently a caregiver? I am currently a caregiver. I work with the National MPS Society as a development director. I've been working in the nonprofit sector for about 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, In our family, our roles changed. My role changed. I came from a corporate business world after our youngest daughter of four children was diagnosed with one of these rare diseases Mm -hmm. called mucolipidosis. Mm -hmm. My daughter, Jennifer, has a mild form of this disease. And so we've been blessed in that she does not have a cognitive impairment, but also 
we have learned that in order for her to have a successful, independent life, it does come at a price of many surgeries and navigating the murky waters of the medical field in order to have doctors champion around her. Jennifer currently is 23, and Mm -hmm. she attends NC State University and is declared pre-med as her major. But we've also just come off 130 days with her bedridden, 20 hours a day from a very um, wonderful uh, hip transplant. Um, It was completely a hip uh, transplant that they didn't think that she would be eligible for, uh, but it meant that she needed to stay five months in bed. And so the caregiver role for us came um, not only through my parents, but also through my daughter. And you thrived. You made it through. We did. We thrived. We made it through. For Jennifer, she was able to get up and walk for the first time just two weeks ago. Oh, how awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. Joining me today is Terry Klein, Development Director for the National MPS Society. and We will be right back. Caring Connections with Nicole Bruno on 97.9 FM WCHL. Supported by HomeWatch Caregivers. Now, more of Caring Connections. Welcome back. This is Nicole Bruno, your host of Caring Connections. And joining me today is Terry Klein, Development Director for the National MPS Society. And Terry, right before we took our break, you were talking to us about, sounds like your amazing daughter who um, is doing so, so well now that she's had a, a, a hip replacement and is at NC State. So congratulations to that. It's been a long journey, though. 23 years is a long time in a caregiving role. How did you find out about the diagnosis of your daughter? Well, our diagnosis for Jennifer came like many of the stories of our families around the country came. Jennifer was reaching her milestones. Her height was where it should be according to the charts, and and her weight was where it was supposed to be. And then she began to stumble, Mm -hmm. and things began to stop. Jennifer is four foot six. She's Mm -hmm. the size of a third grader, and she began complaining of a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. And this was a girl that was very active. She was a soccer player, a gymnast. She ran like the wind. Her brothers couldn't keep keep up with her at all. Um, And we began a whole array of tests with the University of Michigan. Mm. Unfortunately, we didn't nail it at first. Mm. Um, What ended up being um, her final, uh, the doctor's final ability to make a diagnosis for her really came in the area of the fact that we had videotapes of Jenny. Mm. Um, They had misdiagnosed her, and we were able to put a time-lapsed, a video together that showed what Jennifer had been doing as a toddler to her current age, and we took the tape and we had sent it off to the University of Minnesota, and it was a doctor at the University of Minnesota that said, this is a lysosomal storage disease. I know what's going on here. Wow. And, and so we ended up learning very quickly that we had to do a lot of homework and a lot of advocating mm-hmm. um, in order to get to the proper diagnosis. Thank goodness for technology these days. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's really how Jennifer was diagnosed. And unfortunately, many of our kids are not diagnosed right away. Mm -hmm. Um, It could take a year. It could take years. And that's the more the damage just continues. That's right. So what experiences have you had with help outside coming in your cheer home? When you're put into this area of a caregiver, you're afraid sometimes to let go of the things that you can control for your child. You want to make sure that they have the best. Just as if there was a parent that you're going through that's ailing and ill and in a hospice situation, it's you become very vulnerable to bring people into your home. But you learn in time that without these other people, you're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. 
it is drawing on all of your energy. Mm-hmm. And in order to have a successful team, you got to build a successful team around you. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And you're going back to the drawing board. Mm-hmm. I know in our family, we've had tutors come in to help Jenny during surgery times and she couldn't be at school because she's been in braces. Or we've had a team of doctors working around her when we almost lost Jennifer to a terrible bacterial viral pneumonia and she was in the hospital for 45 days. It was a team of doctors and our instincts and their skill to work around her and then know that we had to bring nursing care into our home so that I could care for the other children while they were helping Mm -hmm. me care for her. Um, It's a difficult place to be, but you know that they're all trying to do the best that they can to make Jennifer's life better. How did you go about explaining what your child's chronic disease was to others and to your own children? And did, was there a kind of a sense of resentment with the other children with all the other attention she was getting? We had a lapse in time with our kids, so we were lucky with that. Our, our older kids were a little bit older than Jenny. Uh, mm-hmm. There's an eight-year difference between the youngest one mm-hmm. to Jennifer and Jennifer herself. So we had children that were able to understand that something was wrong. Mm-hmm. And we were going through, unfortunately, a time where my mother was in our care at my home because she had ALS. Mm. And so we had hospice in our home for over six months. And I'm not sure if it was their education into the hospice situation and, and the grace of my mother that showed the boys, that opened the doors for them to understand that uh, we could talk about medical words, and mm-hmm. it was okay to talk about these things that seem strange for a family to have to talk mm-hmm. about. But we had it on both ends of the spectrum. While we had my mother in hospice, we were getting our daughter diagnosed with mm-hmm. a disease. And, and so the boys just kind of took it in stride. Mm-hmm. It almost, okay. it, But to explain it to others, um, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Usually people don't realize that children can suffer from a chronic and progressive disease, mm-hmm. something that's similar to ALS only in a child, mm-hmm. and that it's painful mm-hmm. and that they suffer. Mm-hmm. And, and and people don't want to think about that. Right. They don't want to think yeah, about I that. definitely agree with that. So how important would you say the Internet and Facebook and social media have been to these chronic conditions? You see more and more things popping up where... You know, please you know, give more research dollars and just individuals saying, you know, my daughter has been diagnosed with. And how do you think it's impacted? Well, I could tell you when Jennifer was diagnosed back in 1998, they told us there were three people in the country that had this disease. Oh, wow. We found out pretty quickly within about four years. That was about the explosion of the Internet and, yeah, and yeah. things like that. We found out pretty quickly within three or four years that there were more than three families. Mm-hmm. Not a tremendous amount more, yeah. but, but they were out there. Mm-hmm. So that became the lifeline because even within the state of North Carolina, Jennifer is the only young lady with this disease. Mm-hmm. And so we really rely on our families around the country and around the world in order to be able to share the medical history mm-hmm. and be able to have doctors talk to one another mm-hmm. so they can collaborate yeah, on the course of action. Of <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, it's all about um, mm-hmm. teamwork. Mm-hmm. And so we team up with people in Australia, United Kingdom, so Canada. Like your, internet, your internet version of a support group. Really. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, and because of that, the families that are being diagnosed today are maybe just a little one step further ahead than where we were 15 years ago. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. So it sounds yeah. like it's been a benefit to you. Sure has. Although they often say, don't go to WebMD, you'll scare yourself to death when your child has a sty in their eye. But in your, in your case, it definitely seemed to help you get through this time. Um, what, what is the new book that has been released about your family? 
Well, I'm really excited to share this because this book is called uh, Diagnosis, Rare Disease. The author, this is her second book, Denise Crompton. This book is a book that takes you into the lives or 12 short stories Mm -hmm. of families around the world that are dealing with a rare diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And what's really phenomenal about this book is that you're able to see how families need to respond as caregivers um, on all different levels within their home, within their family. Mm -hmm. It also shows how they maneuver the medical and the doctors and the tertiary care centers Mm -hmm. and how they're able to get through a really difficult period in their lives. And it spans many years. Mm -hmm. And so the author, Denise Crompton, um, had a daughter that suffered from a diagnosis of mucolipidosis, and Kelly passed away at the age of 45. Mm -hmm. Her first book had centered around Kelly's diagnosis, and this book was a book that she wanted to be able to share everyone else's stories. Mm -hmm. But it's also a book that will help you maneuver um, or be a guide to possibly uh, help you answer questions when you're diagnosed mm-hmm. with something, whether it's a rare disease or not. Mm-hmm. Um, we've heard already since the book was released four weeks ago that a number of medical centers are looking at this book to be able to give to their students mm-hmm. um, so they can understand what families are going through when they're in a medical uh, situation like this. Sounds like it's going to be a great resource to, yes. to become more empathetic. Yes. Else. So wonderful. All right. Well, we're going to take a very quick break. Uh, joining me today again is Terry Klein, and we are talking about the MPS Society, her experience as a caregiver herself, and just heard a little bit about this book that she's featured in. So congratulations on that. Thank you. We'll be right back. Caring Connections with Nicole Bruno on 97.9 FM WCHL, supported by HomeWatch Caregivers. Now, more of Caring Connections. Welcome back. This is Nicole Bruno, your host of Caring Connections, and joining me is Terry Klein, and we are talking about person-centered care and the NPS Society. And we are going to jump in with exactly what does the National NPS Society do to help support families at your one, one national office located here in Raleigh. How do you support families? Well, part of our budget every year goes to help support our families through our Family Assistant Program. And so families are able to apply online for uh, medical durable goods. They're able to apply online for scholarships to attend a conference, a family conference, so they can get their educational resources that they might need. And also it's an opportunity for them to network with families around the country and around the world. We also have, um, through our Family Assistance Program, um, the ability for families to apply for continuing education scholarships. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of our big programs is our scholarship program because we know that families' finances are hit so hard Mm -hmm. when they're diagnosed with a disease and a lot of money is going in another area. So we offer scholarship programs as well. That's wonderful. What about person-centered care? What is that, and how do, how can that help anybody facing a chronic condition? Well, the one thing that we've learned with our diseases is that we have a number of children that are going through physical therapy, and they also have in-care one-on-one within their homes, whether it's through a respite situation or if it's through school and they have one-on-ones. A lot of our kids go through the physical therapy as well as go through being moved very carefully because they might have special bathtubs in order to get in and out of. Mm -hmm. We have wheelchairs. We have a lot of house modifications. And so the person-centered care for our population and our disease group really happens to be in the area of someone that's very strong, physical, Mm -hmm. 
patient, Mm -hmm. loving. Our children are very much huggers. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though they may have a neurological component, they could uh, level off at the age of maybe 18 months when they regress. And so there is a lot of love and patience that has to be around the care of them. Very good. And I know you brought with you some resources, um, one of which is the National NPS Society website, which is mpssociety.org. The next is NORD, the National Organization of Rare Diseases. Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, the National Organization of Rare Diseases, for those that aren't aware of that, they really oversee our 7,000 rare diseases in this country. And they do work as well on Capitol Hill and with the FDA in terms of having the most accurate medical information that's out there for these diseases. Great. And then Every Life Foundation? Every Life Foundation is a a newer formed organization, but it is the voice on Capitol Hill for biotech inventions. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you're working with rare diseases, you're working with a situation that our research track, our FDA is a little slower in the process, and the job with the everylifefoundation.org is to help speed those processes up. Great. And then lastly, again, if somebody wants to um, get your book, how do they find it and what's it called? Diagnosis, Rare Disease. Mm -hmm. The author is Denise Crompton, and you'll want to go to allstarpress.com, who's the publisher. Wonderful. Well, thank you for joining us today. This was a great conversation. I think uh, this would hopefully give some folks listening uh, a, a bright spot in their lives and to also think about maybe donating to folks that help with rare diseases because you never know when when it may strike your family as well. So thank you for joining us today. And as always, you may email your caring question to caring at 1360wchl.com. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day. The purpose of Caring Connections is to educate listeners to help improve the quality of life for families, for professional caregivers, as well as those people affected with Alzheimer's disease. Caring Connections with Nicole Bruno is supported by HomeWatch Caregivers. You can hear this and any other program of Caring Connections on WCHL's website, chapelboro.com. Be sure to email questions to caring at 1360wchl.com. Caring Connections is a presentation of 97.9 FM, WCHL, Chapel Hill Carborough's News, Talk, and Tar Heel Station.